Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? Um, well, look, the sun was out yesterday, the sun's out again today. I had a sleep, I had an early morning. It's just a good start to the day. How are you feeling? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Fantastic. Good, good, good. Why, why would I be anything else? Well, I was going to say, I don't know. Like, is there a reason that you're like, <laughs> amazing today that's different to yesterday or is it same, same? Same, same. Okay, that's good. No, that's still good. That's still good. Yep. Life, is, life is amazing. <clears throat> yes, true. There's always new adventures to be had. There's always new things to take place. There is always things to appreciate and blessings to be thankful mm. for every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are you thankful for today? I am thankful for... Um, Okay, what are you thankful for first? Oh, um, okay, I'm thankful for... Because I'm just making sure I'm not, not going to be the same thing, that's all. Oh, no, I don't think it'll be the same thing. I was going to say, I'm really thankful for mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some mangoes yesterday and I was like, oh, summer is on its way to me. Because it's just like, I mean, you know, they're still like very small. But the Filipino lady I bought them from, I got like a tray and I was like, oh, it's so much money. But then she just like chucked some more in the top. I was like, well, nice. that makes it cheaper, like per mango. Nice. <laughs> and yes. then I gave it like half of my way to friends, which was lovely. It's nice to share. I'm going to change what I'm thankful for. Oh, I'm going okay. to put it on the same theme as yours, the theme of good deals. Oh, okay. Yes, I had a couple of good deals this week. I had uh, to buy a, uh, a wheel bearing uh-huh. and it had a slight mark on the outside of it. Made no difference to the functionality of the bearing whatsoever at all. But the guy's like, I can't sell it to you. It's got a mark uh. on it. And I'm like, but I want to buy it. And it's the only one that's in the shop. And he says, but I can't sell it to you. And he says, well, um, give me a deal. And he's like, you can have it. I... And I walked out with it for free. That's the Which best. Was just, absolutely. It was just epic. I had another good deal. Maybe I'll talk about it another time. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, what's happening with uh, positively different news today? Well, okay, so we'll go back in time a little bit. 2018, there's a lady and her name's Kerry. She gets diagnosed with breast cancer and um, takes it pretty hard. But then she, she worked as a full-time scientist but when this happens, she gets to be like, oh, man, like life, I've got to make the most of this sort of situation. And um, so she begins work as an Uber driver specifically to get to know people. She loves people. She's like, people have stories to share. Like, how do I get Okay, to- so right, remind me again what her original job was. So scientist. So Okay, so she's like- She's still doing that. Uh-huh. So scientist during the week, Uber driver on the weekends. Okay, so she gets ill, so she's like, I'll work harder. Yep. All right. I think from what I understand from the story, she either is either past it or is okay now. Yep, um, yep, 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 yep. She seems to be okay, but... Yep, um, but she's celebrating life. Yes. And yep. she likes people. And so she likes people. Uh, right. So she's like, go, how do I be where the people are? Which go I actually, it. by the way, I love because I think often we can get in our like niches of people, which is great. We love them for a reason. But sometimes it's hard to go, go you know, how do I meet people who don't think like me, who have different stories to share? And she's like, well, I know somewhere where I'll have lots of different people. Anyway, so she did this, um, has been doing it since then. And she started to make um, – no, so she started to use the fairs to make lunches excuse me, for homeless people. So she would just make homemade peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which on as she did her rounds on Saturdays and Sundays when she was Uber driving, she would just drop these sandwiches off to some of the homeless in the – City of Tennessee. Yes, it was Tennessee. The city of Tennessee. Well, is it, is it a city? What state is, it a state? is the city of Tennessee in? 
No, it's a state. <laughs> it is a state. Yeah. Well, she can. Well, what's the news? You're right. I did know that. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, there could be a city of Tennessee somewhere. I don't know. Oh, I've never I heard of it, but I have heard of the state. I don't know. Have it is definitely a numerous, state. <laughs> numerous times. A city in Tennessee. The, there the, we go. The great state of Tennessee. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she started. Yeah, just getting to know these people, dropping off these sandwiches. And early on, it was just her. And, you know, she just talked to people. And then she met this 24-year-old named Ryan. Now, she's a bit older, but he wants to help her deliver lunches. He was like, you're doing this? I want to do this. Can I do this? Anyway, this is like now 2021, like COVID's happening, and they have just started a, up a drive for um, getting winter boots for the homeless as well because obviously winter is freezing. Cold feet is yes, never fun. I have been in Tennessee in winter and it is absolutely freezing. I tell you, cold feet just will kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. like sleeping. I just remember camping when I had cold feet. You just you cannot sleep. You cannot be comfortable. You cannot be. It's just. I was totally sleeping with unpleasant. cold feet once while camping. You know what I did? Wash shoes. Yes, boots. <laughs> yeah, Put my hiking boots on. Mm-hmm. Climb back into my sleeping bag. I was fine after that. Slept like a log. Hey, that's you, the you, one. You got to have warm feet. You do, absolutely. But yeah, so that's what they're starting now. And um, what I love about them is he's just like, oh, yeah, Carrie's my best friend. And she's just like, oh, if anyone meets him, you, like it's just one of those situations where two complete strangers meet and they just bond over and be like, yep, let's go help people. And they just think each other is fantastic. It just makes me so happy. I was <laughs> yes. just like, these are the stories I like to hear. <laughs> um, but yeah, and she just said that um, he, he has kindness and charisma to put you at ease. Um, and yeah, they just... They're just getting amongst this. And I, th- I guess more and more people are finding out about what they're doing and they're wanting to contribute and help. Um, but, yeah, it just purely started because she got and sick. And we're going to need then- more and more of this kind of thing to make the world a happier place, you know, with mm. COVID and particularly the loss of, you know, uh, income from economy. You're going to have more and more homeless people. There's going to be more and more need. And so, yeah, praise God these people are out there doing their thing. Yeah, and they're, and they're also getting to know these people, right? So there's yes. trust that's developing. Building relationships. Yep. <gasps> Which, oh, I have a story to tell you about this. Okay, so I was talking to a friend yesterday. This is a little bit of side notes. I think it's still great news. But um, so she works down in like the South, New South Wales sort of area, and there's a pastor who is a pastor. I think it's Bathurst, Carrot. I don't Western know. Western New it, South Wales Yeah, somewhere. Western New South Wales somewhere. I don't really know the geography. Anyway, so he started, basically we know that, Last year, previous years, there's been pretty bad droughts, particularly as you go inland. And he started simply going to schools and saying, hey, do you guys have a social welfare officer um, at this school? Yep, okay. So we're not asking for any family's information, but do you know any kids who, you know, they're just from families that are struggling with the drought at the moment? They say yes. Anyway, basically, to just fast forward a bit, these people have developed such trust in their community um, just from being around, just from being like, hey, can we help? They asked, um, yeah, the local schools. They went to people who worked in pubs who were also interacting with a whole bunch of people. Basically anywhere that they could be involved with people in the community, they were going, hey, do you know anyone who like could use some help? And so they started They started with, I think, 60 um, like food pa- packages things mm-hmm. and um, then it doubled to 120, like this was before Christmas, so a couple of Christmases ago. Oh, maybe 160 was like double the amount. And then it got to the point that public schools, one public school said, hey, will you be our school chaplain? It is now at the point that 17 schools around the area want them to come chaplain. And they find that – so then they got a, a – Wait, 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 wait. So you've got a, you've got a pastor. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of churches. Mm-hmm. 
And also 17 schools that is... That's not well, possible. Well, no, he can't. He, that's the thing. They they want him, but he can't. He physically is impossible. So then they he got a Bible work to come to basically someone to help him do ministry. Um, he's also connected with doing stuff in the prisons. Um, so then this other Bible worker has come and he's doing stuff. And what they're finding is they don't have any suspensions on the days that he's there because he calms the kids down. It's like, okay, when you're stressed, just come. We're just going to talk. And so the one day that he's there or the couple of days he's there, they just don't have the behavioral problems because he just gets there, gets alongside them. And they have just developed such trust with all these people in the community that they're like, no, no, but we need more of you. And they're like, but we, we can't, we're physically impossible. And now the pastor is able to go and meet the families that they've taken these things to. So now the, the trust is there. And I was like, this is amazing. That is an incredible story. Um, go Whoever this guy is, we need to give him a massive shout out. Yeah, hard. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's truly amazing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so we did talk. Say we talk about uh, U.S. Vatican China relationships. Mm. This is a this is a really complicated one. I'm very intrigued by this, actually. Okay, so the United States uh, has just held, or uh, Donald Trump has called for the United Nations. Mm-hmm. So the United States has called for the United Nations to hold China accountable for the whole COVID crisis. So the relationship between China and the United States is about. Ice cold right now. Yes, it's been pretty bad for a while, though, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just keeps getting colder. Um, Secretary of State Mike, Pom- Mike Pompeo has uh, tweeted about the horrific persecution of believers of all faiths in China. Mm. And this is true. This is a fact. Um, you've got nearly you know, 2 million Uyghur Muslims that mm. are imprisoned in re-education camps, in, uh, which is just concentration camps in China. Um, he, he talked about how many countries have expressed revulsion at the violation of human rights by China. Mm. And, yeah, I think we can all agree with that, you know. Uh, you look at the opportunity for religious liberty in China, it simply just does not exist. A lot of other liberties don't exist as well, but that's the one that's closest to my heart. Uh, he has then gone on to say that the, say that the latest Vatican deal that has just been made with China means that the Vatican has lost its moral authority oh. in the world. Oh, what a big call. That's a really oh. big call. <laughs> oh That's God. like, wow. Okay, so we're all asking, okay, so what was this deal all about? Well, this deal is the second part of an experimental deal that Francis made two years ago. Okay. And what you've got in China is two Roman Catholic churches, about 12 million believers. You have the church, the state-run church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state-run church is run by the Atheist Communist Party and a lot of people are like, well, how can an Atheist Communist Party run, <laughs> run a church? A church. Yeah. And they appoint the bishops and, and so forth. Under previous popes, those bishops have never been recognised. Mm-hmm. Uh, under Francis, he's like, okay, let's do a deal. We will. I will recognise the bishops that you choose if you back off on giving my priests a hard time. It's kind of gone down that way. That's, right. that's, that's sort of the – did that two years ago as an experiment. They have just redone that. The difference between two years ago and now, though, is that the US-China relations are so much colder, which is why you've got such strong language coming yeah. out of the United States <laughs> towards both the Vatican and China. Uh, what's also interesting is that the Vatican has also admitted that they haven't actually seen any fruit of the deal yet. Interesting. So their priests are still getting a hard time. Their priests are still being 
in quotation marks, invited to have a conversation with the authorities and mm-hmm. often just having an extended conversation that they've never come back again. Oh, yeah, wow. so they have some pretty extended conversations over there yeah. if you're a uh, if you're a clergy. Uh, now, of course, you've got the underground church in China, the underground Roman Catholic Church in China, and they feel like they've just been hung out to dry. Mm-hmm. They're completely abandoned by this move, and so they're not very happy about the whole thing either. So, um, yeah, they feel like France has kind of turned their back on them and spurned them, and they're the ones who have actually, you know, really sacrificed. Mm. Um, now, I can see where Francis is coming from in this. He wants less persecution, and maybe if he can, you know, make a compromise, then he can get less persecution. But, you know, do you really compromise on your articles of, of faith? Now, he, he has the opportunity to do this because... Uh, the way that bishops are appointed within the Catholic Church is by tradition. Mm. It's not by a scriptural mandate. And so it's like, well, okay, this is he's, he's not breaking a, a scriptural mandate here. But, yeah. Anyway. It is interesting, though, because I think there is a lot of persecution that happens in, in China, as you said. Yes. And I'd, like, I'm not saying that makes it good because I would very much dislike being the one in that situation. But at the same time, what we see is so many times the Christians or, or whatever the faith is in, when you go through persecution for your faith, sometimes that like, you come out a lot stronger for it. And I'm not saying like, yeah, let's just check everyone, you know, but you really have to make your decisions about it. Oh, and absolutely. so there's a part of me that I'm like, oh, no, nah, compromise is not what you want. Yeah, that's right. Do you what, know what I mean? Uh-huh, like, it's, uh-huh, uh-huh. like it actually... Does it have the desired effect you want? Like maybe you're having less people go missing, which is ideal, and I understand that absolutely. Like- you look at the strength of believers within our church mm. Mm. in China compared to Australia. Absolutely, there's just a fire in their belly that we do not have. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. That <laughs> and like yeah, okay. You know, I think I think we probably need a bit of persecution in this country. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, to to. to- to clean us up as Christians, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fires of persecution are very purifying. Yeah, that's a that's a simple. Wouldn't reality. be fun, and I understand that. No, like, I'm not. You know. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not asking for persecution. No, 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 no. And I wouldn't want anyone else to say I'm no. Not to wishing for it. it. No. no, I'm fighting against it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm also recognizing that it does purify the church. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Cardinal Luis Francisco Ladaria Ferrara, Fer- okay. Ferrer. Yes, head of, the, confidence. head of the head of the Inquisition. Thank you, <laughs> head of the Inquisition in Rome, uh, which is also known as the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Okay. They've just put out a new docu- document on euthanasia. Oh, okay. Reaffirming the Church's position on euthanasia. Um, very good position, right here. In that um, they have, you know, stated it's called uh, Samaritanus Bonus. Not quite sure what it's called. The bonus. My Latin is not that great. Uh, but reaffirming that um, euthanasia is a bad idea, basically, mm-hmm. um, that it is uh, misplaced compassion. And it's like, okay, well, Ooh. why do they need to do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, what the Inquisition has come out and said is we need to do this because of the increasing level of individualism amongst bishops. Okay. And so along with this, he's made some very pointed remarks on where infallibility is found. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's pointed out that when a bishop makes a statement, that that statement is not infallible. It's the opinion of the bishop, and you can take it with a grain of salt. Uh, infallibility is found with the pope and the bishops speaking um, 
in concert as the church. And the popes and the bishop, in speaking concert, in concert as the church, has said, no, euthanasia is wrong, this is misplaced compassion, um, and that um, you know we should not be supporting this, which raises some interesting questions. Interesting question for me mm-hmm. as a clergy member myself. An interesting question for you as a Bible worker. What do you do if you are called to attend th- to the bedside of somebody for their last moments if they are voluntarily euthanizing themselves? What do you do, Lars? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, about I, you. <laughs> I asked the question first. I asked the question first. And one of the, one of the bishops has come out um, and he has stated that no one regardless of circumstances, should be abandoned. I agree with that. And I absolutely support him. I think I I support the Roman Catholic Church's position on euthanasia Mm -hmm. and I support his position on that. Um, He same. This is Vincenzo Paglia, um, also stated that assisted suicide is a great defeat. Now, I might use stronger language than that, but I certainly don't disagree with that. And yet, regardless of what choices a person makes, because they have their choices to make, we need to give all the support and love that we can. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so in Victoria, um, out of the last 28 COVID cases down there, 24 of them have been in aged care. Mm. 73% of all healthcare infections... Uh, healthcare worker infections have been as a result of people working in aged care. Um, so this is quite a crisis that we've got happening, and this is something that we're seeing around the world is that our aged care facilities are being hit very hard, and as a result of that, there's a lot that we are doing to protect people, vulnerable people in aged care. Mm. Um, David Haupt is joining us on this morning to talk about emotional health. And I wanted to address this particular issue of uh, how we actually provide for our elderly people from an emotional perspective, considering that this is a population that doesn't get a lot of social contact at the best of times. Uh, And, of course, you know, isolation is meaning that people are being locked in their rooms. They're not even getting out to see the sun, to see the air. You know, a prisoner gets that, you know, once a day, and our elderly are now not getting that. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Good morning, and good morning to your listeners again this morning. Just how vulnerable is our elderly population here in Australia to – and what are they vulnerable to, apart from the obvious uh, COVID? Lol, the research is out. Uh, it is very clear out of uh, research that social isolation and loneliness actually places our elderly at a much higher risk for various physical and mental health conditions. Let me just quickly mention some of them. High blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, weakened immune system, anxiety, depression, cognitive, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's disease, and even death. And this is so, all being exacerbated by isolation. Those that are exposed to, to social isolation, to loneliness, uh, has a far higher risk of, of all of this. So we could so, then be facing a, a, a crisis here in Australia where we have a flow-on effect of people who die from COVID without ever actually catching the disease. They're actually dying from the isolation that comes about as a result of COVID. Is that what we're looking at? 
very true. If I would have said to you 12 months ago that all your churches would be closed for, for some time, retirement villages would not be able to uh, be visited, uh, you would have said to me that I'm a conspiratist. But that's, that's where we are right now. Uh, in other words, we know through research that when an elderly person loses a life partner, that the potential of, of death for them is exponentially increased. Uh, in reality, we have done that. In other words, the one day children could still see their, their parents, their grandparents in the retirement village, and suddenly all of that stopped. Mm. That sounds like it would be rather devastating for elderly people. And, and you know, we see some of these pictures and, and, and stories coming out of, you know, Victoria because that's where it's all happening right now of uh, staff who are, you know, trying to interact. We saw some staff that were dancing, you know, not touching but dancing with some of the elderly people, um, playing games and these kinds of things who were in isolation and copying a massive amount of criticism for that is there is there actually an argument where you know maybe we're going too far with isolation? Loneliness and, and isolation actually uh, fertilizes other diseases. Um, in other words, loneliness can accelerate the buildup of plaque in arteries, help cancer cells grow and spread, promote inflammation in the brain, leading to Alzheimer's disease. Loneliness promotes several different types of wear and tear in, in, in the body. And we've got to weigh up the, the risk of infection versus the damage that we do through isolation and loneliness to our elderly people. Um, I'd like to mention to your audience, uh, Lyle, that there's a difference, a stark difference between loneliness and just being physically isolated from other people. Before we go there, uh, a couple of years ago, I did an interview with, and some of you might remember this, I did an interview with David Stojic about loneliness. And in that interview, I pointed out that there's a very easy solution for loneliness, and that is to go and join one of your local churches. And you can do that regardless of whether you're a believer or not, because what you're going to find is a community of people who are going to want you to be there every week and are going to provide, you know, a way. It's just, it's just going to solve, you know, so many physical ailments right there. Um, we don't have that opportunity in a lot of parts of Australia right now. But some parts, even going to church, even going beyond five uh, kilometres from your home, has been restricted. Mm. Mm. Which, which therefore, I, I agree with you, going to church, going to a place where communities actually can come together uh, can actually alleviate this loneliness. I but, have done a lot of you know, Bible work in my time and so often I meet you know, particularly elderly people in the community who are lonely and they just want someone to talk to. And I think... You know, there's a there's a perfectly good church at the other end of the street. Just you know, walk down the street each day, and you're going to have your loneliness alleviated. Uh, but people just choose to stay inside instead. But um, you know, that's just kind of the way it is, I guess. 
And Lol, this is where some of our Christian uh, communities actually can help make a difference in the lives of older people. They can, in actual fact, take the initiative to connect with older people. We've got technology today that uh, actually can take you into that isolation room where you can see the person, you can talk to a person on the other end, although they're not physically there. We've got the technology to be able to Zoom, to Skype, to FaceTime, and be able to communicate with people. So a social isolation doesn't need to be, to create loneliness. Okay, so you did start a minute ago and I, and I, and I stopped you because I wanted to, to, to go down a little bit different path, but I do want to focus in on this now. The difference between isolation and loneliness. So physical isolation uh, is where we are isolated from other people. And I can, in actual fact, and you, you might know many people that are physically isolated, living in an isolated environment, but very happy and content because they do not feel lonely. But then you have people that are surrounded by individuals, but are extremely lonely. And that is more referring to a state of mind. Um, and, and that is the destructive part. So coming with physical isolation is a heightened potential that people can go into a state, a mental state of loneliness. Um, what that loneliness does, it creates a preoccupation of self. We start to zoom in on ourselves and every little uh, ailment or uh, pain that we experience is exacerbated and we see it as, as the worst that can take place. And eventually we, we actually speak our own prophecy about the future of our life. Is this what happens to, say, for instance, prisoners who are thrown into um, solitary confinement? I mean, that would probably be the most extreme example that I can kind of think of, of uh, isolated loneliness because they've really got both, both things happening at once. God designed us to be social beings, to be able to connect. Um, we release oxytocin when we connect and touch and are, are with people in a meaningful relationship. And oxytocin actually de-stresses us. It actually helps us to uh, relax our muscles. It even alleviates depression and anxiety in our life. So social, social isolation actually uh, diminishes the uh, Production of oxytocin, uh, which leads then to other ailments in our life. Mm. You, you mentioned, yeah. you know, Zoom and technology and so forth. What should we be doing right now for the elderly people and the vulnerable people in our community? I mean, in, in the past, you know, I, I remember last week we talked about singing. And the you know the, the the physical benefits of singing, the emotional benefits of singing, and so forth. And often, you know, we've put together singing groups that go out to you know old people's homes. You can see people just light up. You can see them start to tear up. You can see them you know singing along when they know the songs that are being sung. You know, you sing some popular popular songs that were well known uh, back in the day. Uh, we can't do that kind of thing at the moment because of you know obviously COVID. So, what do we need to be doing? Retirement villages can, in actual fact, incorporate animals in their therapy process for uh, the elderly during this time of isolation. It, uh, research is very clear that just by petting a dog, a cat, uh, having a bird, uh, some, some retirement villages actually have um, their designated uh, animals 
for the treatment of the elderly people. And uh, research out also that uh, oxytocin is released uh, during those times. I think the intentionality that we have of of family members um, still be able to, uh, you know, not cut off the telephone connection, um, you know, even installing a technology that they can through Skype, for instance, communicate uh, with the elderly. Where the elderly is more mobile and able to move around, like in New South Wales, um, I just last week spoke to a group of older volunteers and I said to them, I actually value their grey matter. And I'm not referring to the grey hair, but what's below that, their life experience. And I said to them, I would like to utilize their life experience in community projects. In other words, research very clearly states that the best solution for this loneliness is in actual fact to for, for the older people in our community to have a purpose in life, something that they can live for. And um, I think back down in Kurubong, uh, where I was, there's a whole community uh, in a retirement village of men that has a designated gardening Plots where they go on a daily basis, uh, and and they work in that that garden, and they just bless each other with the produce, the fruit of their labour. Uh, our op shops, uh, caring for other people. So, in other words, there's a lot that our community can do to reach out to the lonely elderly, but there's far more that the elderly can do for themselves as well, to make sure that uh, the trajectory of their life is extended and they've got quality of life. Mm. I guess it comes becomes uh, more challenging when they move from the retirement village into the um, into the home where you know they've got that higher level of care and that lower uh, level of mobility. Um, you know, and I guess there are some people who spend a lot of time, um, you know, many many years even. I can think of my own grandmother who spent many years in a home after she lost her mobility. Um, mm. Special levels of challenge right there. You know, it's hard to work in the garden or go to the men's shed or that kind of situation, that kind of activity there. Lol, there is still a lot that can be done. Uh, years ago, I used to uh, do presentations on working with a dying individual. And um, I'm just going to draw some ideas from, from those presentations. Moving their bed to be right next to the window so they can see the garden outside. Bringing fl- fresh flowers in. Uh, bringing a bird in or as I said early on an animal in Um, there's even places that bring horses in as therapy horses for those kind of people for someone that will sit in with them for an hour or two each day and just share what they are perceiving through that window what is happening outside actually can help that elderly person to, to be part of life around them Mm. I think it's just amazing, don't you, David, that God has created animals that, you know, an animal just, you know, particularly like a dog or something like that, is just going to love, you know, we, we have animals in our world that just absolutely love human beings regardless of who that human being is. 
and yep. we can gain so much benefit from it. David, it's been, right. uh, it's, it's, it's been great having you on the show today. Um, we, have, uh, we do have a crisis here in Australia. We do need to remember that we have a crisis here in Australia with our elderly. If you've got elderly friends or family, um, we need to be particular, vigilant right now to stay in contact with them. And if you don't, then look for other opportunities in which you can uh, reach out to them. David, thank you for, for being with us today. You're welcome. Blessings to you all. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.